Hey guys, welcome to the Babylon Pastors Podcast, sponsored by ODG Apparel. I am one of your hosts, Michael. And I'm Rob. Glad you're here to listen in while we talk about church, theology, and everything in between. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Babbling Bastards podcast. I have to really watch out uh, what I'm saying at this point because I run this other one now that's <laughs> new, and it also has lots of bees in it. And so, um, hey, what, yeah. what's that called? What's what's that podcast called? The Bearded Bible Thinker. What do you cover on that podcast? Because I have a beard. So you cover so the beards whole, and the Bible. Yeah. And- I actually don't cover beards at all. It's it's really like uh, I try to say, um, talk about current events and uh, try to look at them through gospel lenses a little bit um, rather than either yelling from one side of the fence or the other. Gotcha. So if anybody's interested in that, you can go ahead and search the little searchy thing and type in the bearded Bible thinker. Yeah. How much thought goes into it? Not a lot. <laughs> He's just telling you that out of the gate. In case you go and look this up, just yeah. lower your bar. Is that lower what I heard? The old expectations. <laughs> yeah. So this month we're talking about how mm-hmm. if you celebrate Halloween, you're going to be possessed by a demon. uh that's not true that's that's um but seriously look up it's in daniel i'm just kidding (laughs) no we're talking about spiritual warfare demon uh demonic activity um it's uh it's been a pretty good uh theme for this month considering it's the month that everyone celebrates halloween so I'm yeah, interested today, so far. We, all, all we've done uh, for, the, for the past couple of weeks and we'll continue to do through the month is we have a couple of Bible texts that we're working through. And uh, they are some that specifically deal with um, the subject matter. So the text this week is Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 24, right? That's what you yeah, said? Yes, 24. Yep, yeah, yeah, that's what I said. 16 through 24. All, All right. right. Matt, so you're going to read, my. I'm going to read right? that real quick, yeah, because you introduced. All right. So that's how this works. Okay. Guys, All just right. so you know, the level of production that goes into this is astronomical. Like You, you have know. no idea. I mean, it's a whole, like, three minutes. Yeah, this, <laughs> I don't even know how I get my regular job done. It takes so much time and effort. <laughs> All right, so Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 16, it says, As they were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain from by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaims to you this way of salvation. And she kept doing this for many days, Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that the hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And there they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews and they are disrupting our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us 
as Romans to accept or practice. And the crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates torn the garments off of them and gave it to the others to beat them with rods. And when they had, uh, sorry, when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Seems like that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, so that's what happens when you do Jesus stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so we'll work through this a little bit. The last part isn't necessarily about demon possession, but will be uh, interesting commentary on the gospel in general. Um, so can I just say from the onset, I think my favorite part of this entire account is the verse where Luke decides to include and Paul having become greatly annoyed. <laughs> yep. Like Luke's just like, I was remembering dude, this dude was all up. <laughs> yep. all FYI. <laughs> just so you all know, Paul was straight up perturbed with her. So, uh, so it starts, I think it's really interesting. Uh, I preached on this text. I believe, I don't know how long ago it was. I don't even know if I have a recording of it, but uh, I find this just incredibly interesting that the slave girl uh, has a spirit of divination. Uh, obviously, Luke says that it brought them much gain because of what we learn about later. But she's following them, crying out something that's not necessarily untrue. Uh, but uh, there's an interesting reaction that Paul has. And I have, I have my own take on this. I think I actually mentioned in the sermon I preached, but what, what, what is your take on this, uh, this scenario that we find ourselves here in Acts? Um, okay. You're talking specifically about what her... she's crying out and why he gets annoyed. Yeah. Um, well, I think that one, the obvious human thing is at play where um if if you cry out rob you're a genius over and over and over, there will come a point where i'm like okay shut up right kind of like, like kind of like my wife goes uh when she reacts to uh my son going mommy 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 <laughs> yeah mommy mommy mom 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 mama mama right <laughs> yeah very same kind of thing. You know, like uh, she followed Paul and uh, she cried out, these men who are proclaiming to you a way of salvation are servants of the Most High God. And she did this for many days. So look, it would probably have taken me maybe an hour. Okay. Paul put up with this for many days, it says, right? For like... I, man, I don't even know how he waited that long to get annoyed. So there's that sense, right? Like just in general, that would annoy anyone. If, if she's following them around saying this over and over again, or whether she's just repetitively saying it or introducing them to everyone or whatever that actually looked like, that would have gotten old pretty quickly regardless. Um, so Paul was greatly annoyed, which... I think is amazing uh, that, because it, it, it gives him a little bit of human. Uh, yeah. And you know, cause sometimes it's not a secret. We, we lift people up uh, really because of what Jesus does through people, not because people are good. Right. So Paul is just an example of that. Paul wasn't amazing. He was just a dude. 
And uh, he was just a guy that was used by God because of Christ in him. So it, it gives us a little bit of, um, I don't know, makes him human a little, it humanizes him. Where you go, bit. hey, <laughs> I understand. I don't understand what he says most of the time, but I can get annoyed too. <laughs> yeah. There's also an interesting, uh, uh, so when I was doing prep on this sermon, there was a comment, a couple commentaries actually pointed out the indication that the reason he, he, uh, well, not only he doesn't just tell her to stop. Uh, he turns to the spirit and casts the spirit out, uh, in reaction to this and his annoyance. But a couple of the commentaries were saying that one, obviously what she's saying is true. Now, what we've seen in the last two episodes, in case you haven't listened to them, the spirit, like the demons always know <laughs> was up. Like they always recognize Jesus. They call him the son of God. They are terrified at his, you know, his presence. And so the reason she's able to proclaim this is that uh, because she knows what's going on. But uh, a lot of the, the theologians and commentaries that have been written on this, at least the ones I've seen, point to the fact that, or point to the reasoning being that he doesn't want the gospel connected to yeah. this, this sort of activity. So even though she's, you know, she's telling the truth. She's, she's not wrong. That's exactly what right. they're doing. They are servants of the most high God proclaiming the way of salvation. Um, he doesn't want the people that might come to know the Lord say, Oh, well, he's cool with this too. Then like, he's cool with this girl. You know, she's a, she's a div divinator. She's able mm -hmm. to speak to the spirits and tell the truth. So Paul must be cool with this. Um, and so they point to the fact, the reason that he's so greatly annoyed by it is because he wants to break that connection. Um, which is also interesting that he doesn't cast the demon out the first day or two. It was, it was many days. Uh, it's, it's the fact that it finally gets to that point, apparently, where he's just like, okay, enough is enough is enough. <laughs> We're done. And he casts the spirit out. Um, also, I'd like to pick your brain on this part. The last two episodes we've done is where Jesus casts the demon out himself. And it immediately happens. Mm -hmm. Luke, for whatever reason, makes the notation that it came out that very hour, which I just doesn't seem to me to be an accident that he would put that there. Yeah, right away. And uh, one of the things that you do not see Jesus doing is saying, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think that's important too, that it's not, Paul doesn't have any authority over this demon. Mm -hmm. None. He doesn't have any authority whatsoever. He, he uh, says what he says in the name of Jesus, who is the one who has all authority over all creation, all authority in heaven on earth, right? Um, Jesus says has been given to him. And um, Paul, when he decides to uh, cast this demon out, uh, he, he uh, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out right away. And it's, it's worth noting that if he had not done that in the name of Jesus Christ, very likely that demon would not have come out of her, of her at all, let alone right away. Right. But it's at the name of Jesus that every knee will bow. And, and I think that just like you've alluded to a couple of times this month, um, it's at the name of Jesus that uh, every knee will bow. Uh, Jesus is um, there's a sense in human in the human heart that we don't know the same amount about Jesus and at, in the same way about mm -hmm. Jesus that the demons do. 
right? There's a sense that we have to say, like in the last week, we have to say, I believe, help my unbelief, right? The demons have zero trouble believing and knowing and understanding completely that Jesus is who he claims to be. He's the son of the living God, right? And so when, uh, when he says, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, that demon didn't really ha- stand a chance, right? It was in the name of Jesus Christ, um, who is living in Paul in the spirit. Um, and so it is by that power in that name that, um, that this demon just came out right away or in that very hour. hour like, yeah. Yeah. So, um, also I think, so the last two episodes, we've spent a great amount of time on talking about, uh, the reality of the spiritual realm, uh spirits and demons reactions to jesus the authority he has over all of them and they in the one we talked about in mark or not mark in matthew uh, there was a bit of this that we didn't really go into too much because there wasn't a lot said about it other than they just asked jesus to leave but there is this really apparent um well apparent narrative here that luke really kind of tells about because that's what he's doing that's why he's there uh but he he expands on it quite a bit that whenever Whenever we see things happen here, especially with uh, the natural world coming in contact with the spiritual realm and those two things colliding together uh, in a way that shows God's supremacy, Jesus' authority, um, the world reacts a little, uh, a little bit differently than you would assume it would react to this. Uh, so like we talked about in Matthew, like they ask him to leave. They're ter- either they're terrified or they don't like him wrecking their economy, or maybe it's a combination of both. Here, yeah. it is specifically about the economics of the situation. Like they, yeah. th- th- this, there's no question, Luke makes it very clear that uh, their reaction here isn't because he cast a demon out, it's because they can't make no more money. <laughs> so... Um, I think pointing that out and then making the correlation to, to today as well. I think oftentimes there's this idea that what we see. Um, so let's take it, for example, to, uh, to something I can actually speak to uh, with a little bit of education. Whenever you see people, for example, that used to sell drugs or be involved in that drug ring, or when you see people that used to be involved in the sex industry or that whole system, when they come out of that, um, there is this very negative pushback on the gospel for the people they used to interact with because now this form of income or this form of friendship or this connectivity that they used to have, that's gone. Uh, and we see a lot of what happens here where um, the claims being brought against them are just false. They're just flat out false. Um, so do you have any commentary to kind of add to that a little bit maybe? Um, yeah, I think, uh, we, like you said, it, it's pretty obvious that, um, the reasoning behind this. And I actually, it's funny that you mentioned what you mentioned because my, the thought that came to my head was prostitution or things Mm -hmm. like that. Right. Like in the same way that if, uh, someone who is in the sex trade, sex slave, prostitute, whatever, uh, and, and that person comes to know Christ, um, and leaves that the situation. Um, and then what, what would happen is the person who ran that ring is not going to give the slightest care about 
Jesus or what, why she left or whatever. It doesn't matter to them. What matters to them is, Hey, my paper's gone, right? Like, like I'm, I've lost income now. You cost me money and which is their God. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is, this is almost identically the situation here really is that these, these guys made their living off of the, the, made their uh, how crude it sounds really but they made their living off of her uh demon possession mm-hmm. that off of her uh being possessed by like how how bad that is right how low how demonic that is in and of itself that they act in this way and um take advantage of her horrific situation um and exploit her for their own gain uh money is their God. It's what drives them. And you can see that in their reaction, that, that in and of itself is why they're driven to then go, no, 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 I don't think so. They just cost me a lot of money. Get them, you know? Yeah. Um, and money is the driving force behind that. And I think that this uh, scenario for Paul and his companions are, uh, is so applicable to today as we proclaim the gospel, as we, um, uh, work to get rid of things like sex trafficking and uh, drug trade and pornography and, and whatever else, right? Uh, abortion. There's a great example too, right? That is about money. It has nothing to do with the health of a woman. It's incredibly detrimental to the health of a woman. Uh, but because of the money that it brings in, um, when we talk about God being against it, or even frankly, leaving that out and talking about the science being against it. Um, all they hear is um, less change making it into their pockets and into their accounts and into their bottom line. And the God in that situation is money and power. And that is a, a very strong false God that we run to rather than the God of the universe. And that's the situation here. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good one-to-one kind of correlation here because what we see and what will happen, I think this gives us a really, I don't know if you want to call it a blueprint or not, but an example, I suppose, of what happens when uh, the the supernatural encounters the natural. Uh, and, And I'm not just talking about demons and spirits in this case. I'm talking about when the supernatural power of God comes into a person's life, how that change now changes everything, every interaction they have in the world. So what we see in verse 29, or no, I can't read guys. All right. Verse 20. Uh, so they seize Paul. I'm sorry, 19. They've seized Paul and Cyrus. They bring them in the marketplace before the rulers. And then verse 20 says, and when they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they're disrupting our city. They're advocating for customs. that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Um, so they bring them before the magistrates. They they put out some charge that from the context of what we're seeing doesn't even apply to the situation that's occurring. They just trump up some charges in order to get them in trouble. That is the idea. Um, they know that the magistrates are not going to be okay with anybody preaching against Rome or teaching against Rome. So that's almost a guaranteed you're going to go to jail card. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens. So it shouldn't be surprising that whenever you're working in a ministry that does involve interacting with the things that we've mentioned. So uh, drug, drugs, sex, or uh, killing of babies, any of those things are automatically going to be met with a lot of resistance. And it's not just going to be resistance for resistance sake. It's going to be resistance because you have now 
come in contact the natural with the supernatural. Um, so for example, I have, when I was doing some research for, uh, an abortion video that I was making for this channel, uh, or an abortion meme, it's, it's something to do with abortion. Um, the idea was I was trying to provide a resource to say, look, there's other places that offer, you know, healthcare that, so you don't have to go to Planned Parenthood because Planned Parenthood has a substantial amount of their income comes from abortions. There's other places. And in doing my research, I found a Planned Parenthood video that actually, the entire purpose of this video was to downplay and to take away the authority that these other places have. They're like, well, they don't actually have the same doctors and credentials and they don't provide the same services. They're actually just nonprofits that are ran to make you not want to come here. And it, it was a whole thing of, of really uh, just slandering other services because they they didn't want you not, they want you to go there. They don't want you to go somewhere else. Um, and the whole slate, I mean, again, they use religion in this video. They said, well, these are religious organizations that are, uh, that are making you watch, you know, ultrasound. So you won't go through with it. We don't make you do that here. Um, but the whole point was the same scenario where, uh, in the sense that these people's profit was being taken away. So their first go-to was let's, you know, make sure that everybody knows that, you know, Paul and his accomplices, they're doing bad stuff. Let's discredit them. Um, and in doing so, they have to trump up fake charges to get them in jail. So they will stop doing these things. So I don't think it should be a surprise that as, as Christians, when we go out, for example, uh, to the jails or to the streets or to abortion clinics, um, and preach the gospel that like, you're, are, you're, you're dumb. If you don't think you're going to have some sort of very, uh, I'm not saying physical pushback. You're going to have a, a palpable spiritual pushback when you're doing these things um, because that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with similar things here of what we see in this text is they're confronting sin with the gospel and there are, uh, I don't know if consequences is the right word. There's going to be things happen because of it <laughs> that are not going to be pleasant for you. Uh, is the short of it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think um, I, I like how you talked about we shouldn't be surprised when this kind of stuff happens. This is the, the very heart of even when, uh, when Jesus is talking and he, he says uh, in uh, Matthew 5, when he says that, um, that we should really be celebratory, right? That it's a joyous thing when we're persecuted for righteousness sake, what, what, what you're doing, this is the very essence of engaging in spiritual warfare. When you are in any way, uh, in word, in deed, or both proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the way of salvation as this, uh, demon so eloquently put it. Um, and when you're doing that and you're engaging in spiritual warfare and, uh, you're, you're, you're bound to be met with spiritual warfare. Um, and I, I think that the, the big takeaway from this month is going to end up being, yes, it's real and God is bigger, right? I mean, that's something that's been a theme throughout all of the things we've looked at so far, and it'll, uh, continue to be a theme if we wanted to keep talking about this for two or three months, it would be the theme. Yeah. It's the theme. If you wanted to talk about the, the takeaway when it comes to demons and all of scripture, that's it, right? Like this is real. Satan is here to, to uh, seeking whom he may devour, right? The scripture says that he's here to, 
to, to steal, kill, and destroy. In the last, um, the last, uh, last week when uh, the dad, is, his son is demon-possessed, the dad says what? That the demon is constantly throwing him into fire, throwing him into water to try to destroy. They wanted to kill him, right? To try to give him or, or bring harm upon him. That's the goal, right? The goal of demonic activity is to distract you from the gospel, prevent you from hearing the gospel, prevent you from believing the gospel. That's it, right? It's throwing all of these other false gods. When you confront any sort of evil in the world, and we should be, when you confront any sort of evil in the world, you should expect to be persecuted for righteousness sake. Mm-hmm. And, and on that real quick, this, I, I don't want to make this a, uh, a gold standard, but I think it's a good indicator that when you say something that you think is not that controversial, it's biblical, but you don't think it's that controversial. Uh, and you get way more pushback than you expected. I'm going to say 99.9% of the time it's because you're hitting the right button. Um, you're, you're hitting a button that you don't think is that big of a deal. You've read it in scripture. It's true in scripture. You're just saying it. And then you get a bunch of pushback on it. Um, I'm going to say you're probably you're probably hitting the right button. Again, not the gold standard, but it's a good indicator that you're on the right path. Um, It should be a good indicator that you're on the right path whenever you say murdering babies is wrong and people go, well, it's not really a baby. That right there. (laughs) Not all the way wrong. Yeah. It should give you a good indication that you're probably hitting the right button because you're having so much pushback on it. Same thing with uh, for example, I know people that work uh, in the strip clubs and try to, you know, to get the strippers out and to find them new jobs. And they get pushed back all the time on saying, no, this is a legitimate thing. These are consenting adults. It's not a big deal. And there's a ton of pushback on it because not only is it interfering with the profit flow, uh, but it's also confronting something that's true in scripture, that there's a degradation of the Imago Dei. There's a, there's a person there that is now being looked at as a object. Uh, and a possession. And so when you're pushing against that, you're, you're going to feel that and you're going to get a lot of pushback and you don't think it's a big deal. Cause you're like, uh, doesn't everybody acknowledge that this is a person? Yeah, that seems obvious, but the dude there doesn't acknowledge yeah. that at all. Um, and then same thing, might as well just complete all three that we've talked about. When you confront uh, drug use uh, and actually calling people out of that and calling them into a, a better way uh, of dealing with stress and anxiety and all the things in life, uh, you, you better believe you're going to have pushback on that. Because again, it's going to come down to the almost identical to this, the, the, the sex industry situation where they go, well, that's a consenting adult. They just need a way to relax. They need a way up to blow off steam. And you go, yeah, but you know, the Bible gives us a pretty clear picture of a better way than that. Uh, and you're going to get a lot of pushback on that. Not, not necessarily on hard drugs. You're not going to have a whole lot of people going, yeah, mass is definitely the way. But you are going to have people that are they're going to advocate for a lot of other things that um, that are honestly band aids for bigger things that the gospel actually can heal instead of cover up. So, yeah, well, you see that specifically when it comes to drug use, you see that all the time with marijuana. Now, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's totally fine and accepted. And what's the difference? It's less dangerous than cigarettes. Look. That's not even really the point. The point is, 
uh, when it, when any any drug use, I don't care if you're talking about ibuprofen, if it's addictive and you and you run to that to satisfy you, or because you think that somehow that's going to complete you or fix the hole or hurt inside of you, man, that's that's idolatry. Then it's just another idol, and that's the issue. Yeah, yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, again, you push the right button, you get a lot of pushback. You're probably pushing the right button. So, and that's what, again, to draw this back around here, that's what we see here is that um, what's funny is Paul and his, his companions end up in prison for something that he didn't even come there to do. He was literally going to the place of prayer. <laughs> this, this, this girl that has the spirit of divination won't leave him alone. So he goes, fine. I don't want you to be connected to this ministry. I'm, you know, in Jesus' name, come out. And uh, honestly, he was trying to mind his own business. <laughs> and this, this situation gets put in his lap. And now he finds himself in prison. Um, which again, I think, not to read us into scripture here, but I think this is something that honestly could happen to any of us in any day of our life. You're just going about your life. Something happens. You address it. And then you find yourself in a bunch of trouble. So... I think another takeaway from this uh, is that I, th I think it's uh, amusing how God uses this demon-possessed gal, this actually God using a demon. Mm -hmm. Like you said, Paul didn't come there to cause a ruckus or anything like that, but Paul, uh, Paul, uh, God rather uses this demon in this situation to put them in prison mm -hmm. where God ultimately saves yeah, the jailer. The prison guard, <laughs> the jailer, and his entire household. So God uses a demon to save people. Tell me that doesn't mean he's sovereign over all of these demonic uh, people, uh, the principles, the, the powers that, I mean, come on, man. Mm -hmm. That's insane, right? I, I think that is a perfect place to end this entire segment on that. Just let that percolate in your brain for a minute. Paul was on his way to prayer. This girl keeps interrupting him, and in God's sovereign plan, a whole family gets saved with this, where in that moment, Paul could be like, well, I didn't know how I ended up here, and God's like, actually, it's for that guy. <laughs> yep. Awesome. I love that beautiful connection. All right, guys, uh, <laughs> we will talk to you next time, uh, where we have our last episode of this month on the spiritual realm and demons and spirits and all that sort of stuff. Thank you for listening, watching, subscribing. We'll talk to you later. Bye.